What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of 68 Shining Moments presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I am thrilled to bring to you today one of the funniest and my favorite moment in NCAA tournament history, the Ron Hunter Scooter Game. Welcome back to another episode of 68 Shining Moments presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I am thrilled to be joined today by Ron Hunter and RJ Hunter, the masterminds behind that upset in 2015 and number three seed Baylor. Ron, RJ, what's going on, guys? Thanks for being here. Rob, thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it. Also, oh, well, appreciate you having me. What's up, OG? <laughs> so I got to tell you guys that this, this is always going to be one of my favorite NCAA tournament memories, uh, the shot that RJ hit. Um, we have an underdog winning. We have a game winner at the end of the game. We have a father and son duo. We have a scooter. We have people falling all over the place. We have torn Achilles. <laughs> it's got it's got everything that I think the, the, that makes the magic of the NCAA tournament happen. So before we kind of get into the details of what happened, like what is it what does it feel like to know that you guys were part of something that is going to go down in NCAA tournament lore? Every time we watch a March Madness game or watch Selection Sunday, that highlight's going to pop up. What's it feel like knowing that? RJ, why don't you start? Um, I mean, to be honest with you, it's something that hasn't really still hit. Like, you got to understand, like, I, I was a kid in Indiana, like, growing up watching Bryce Drew. Like, I was connecting to that story early because he played for his dad, and I'm, like, probably seven or eight years old seeing him do this. Um, me and my sister would watch One Shining Moment. Like, we were extra into the March Madness stuff just because of the family business. So I never really expected to have a moment that stuck. And I still don't like the, the moment is still such a blur to me that I really haven't been able to still process years later, but it's huge for me and my family. And especially everyone that talks about it. I got a comment on my picture the other day. This guy said, I was, I was in my dorm and this time at this time when this happened. And it's just like, uh, that, that feels really cool, especially something you really care about. So. Yeah. Ron, how do yeah, you feel Ron, about it? It's interesting because I'll never the, the one part that I'll never forget is that I had no idea that how big this was because when I got back to the hotel, I didn't think anyone knew that I fell off my scooter. And I knew the shot was great, but I had no idea until I got back to the hotel room because my leg was killing me and my phone had just shut down because of the number of tech. I just thought people saying, hey, good game. And then I realized the whole magnitude of RJ hitting it, falling out the scooter. I really got up thinking no one in the country saw me fall out of the out of my chair. So uh, it's just amazing how much uh, you know. Even now here in New Orleans, and uh, and and being in another school in another league, I can't go anywhere without it coming up. And so I think it's something I know in my career that it's always going to be there. Yeah, I, I went back before this and I watched it like five times and I couldn't stop laughing. And every time I see it, I laugh at it. Uh, Rob, why do you why do you think that's such a why do you think people take to that moment so crazy? Because like maybe I know my father and like like I would almost expect him to fall out his seat. But why do you think like people think that is so crazy? It's just like unprecedented, like you've just never seen it before. It's the combination of everything. It's just that that you hit the shot. To, to take the lead, right? A race that's a 10 point deficit, two minutes left. You hit the shot to take the lead. As sure. you're doing that, like he puts his hands up to celebrate and then the scooter just goes, <laughs> him and he, falls. he thought he was standing. Yeah. yeah and it's like, well, it's, know, the, it's the perfect what, time. Really crazy. So Not many people yeah. know this, Rob, but I was actually trying to get my son to call a timeout. <laughs> and most people don't know that this is typical of me and my son. I'm trying to get him to call a timeout. He's waving me off of the timeout. And so that's the that's the crazy part. So I'm actually mad at him because he sees me trying to call a timeout, but he actually still takes that shot. So that's that's what a lot of people don't know and understand. I didn't even know that actually. 
<laughs> so, see my point that is my point there you go so so we'll get into all that and i do want to I, I do want to dive deep on that but before we do i, I want to kind of explain to people who have forgotten what ha- exactly happened and why you were kind of scooting around on that scooter so it started with the sunbelt championship game um i went back i didn't realize that the game was 38 to 36 in that final which i mean I, must have been pretty ugly 38 36 final yeah. um so they there's 4.3 seconds left they have the ball out of bounds they miss a shot. Everybody runs out to there to celebrate. And I, I watched this tape like this is a Pruder film. And I, for the life of me, I could not see what happened, how you got hurt, where it was. So, Ron, just kind of take me through, like, how, how do you tear your Achilles celebrating? Well, you know, it's funny because the, the night before the game, um, uh, we, we thought, we, you know, our leading scorer that year wasn't RJ. It was Ryan Harrell. And Ryan Harrell wasn't going to play in that championship game. And it was weird when I, was, I remember talking to the trainer uh, and I went to the trainer. She thought I was talking to her about Ryan Harrell not playing, but I was actually talking. I said, you know, my leg is killing me. I don't know why my leg hurts so bad. And so we did a little treatment. And so what's interesting about that is that she had mentioned, she said, you know, when you get back, we need to probably look at your Achilles. Well, then we get in this game and it's, it's one of the worst offensive games I've ever seen in my life. My son's probably playing one of the worst games he's played. And we end up, he ends up getting fouled. And, you know, of course, he hits the free throws. And, uh, and I, I, I was really frustrated because people were, a couple of years before that, we had just lost at the buzzer to Lafayette. And when we were 17 and one in the league, and I thought, here we go again. It's just a different school. And, uh, but then when he made the shot, the kid missed it. My first reaction was it was a great celebration, but I got halfway up in the air and I felt something pop. And I came down and I tried to actually walk on the court and I couldn't put any pressure on it. And at that time, I still didn't know it was my Achilles. I thought I actually twisted my ankle. And then I couldn't get up, and I realized it was a lot worse than that. And so I'm trying to get, you know, attention. I'm trying to get a doctor. I'm trying to get a trainer. Everybody's celebrating. The next person I see is my son. He dives on top of me. And I have tears in my eyes. And he's like, Dad, isn't that great? We're all happy. And I said, no, I think I broke my leg. (laughs) And he goes, and he goes, find his mom. And then all of a sudden, she comes over, and then the trainers come, the doctors come, and they realize it was my Achilles. So – I missed out, but then they wanted to take me back to the locker room. And I said, no, I want to celebrate with the family and my team. I was not going to go back in that locker room without the celebration part of it. So that was the, uh, that was how it all started and, and, and how I ended up uh, tearing my Achilles. RJ, when did you know that he was hurt bad? Um, um, I don't know. It, again, it kind of happened fast. So I think they missed a shot and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of combed through the chaos to find my dad. And I, you can see, I find him and point at him. And I think he had already torn it. Cause when I watched the video, he was kind of limping towards me. So I just tackled him and then got on top of him. And I didn't even see him at first cause we were hugging. So, so then when I, when I, when I look back up, he has this sour look on his face and I'm like, like, like what's your problem? Like, this is all we wanted all year. So we talked about, he's like, ah, ah. <laughs> I'm like, yo, what, are you good? Are you fine? So I get up off him, and he's like, my leg. I think I tore my Achilles or something. So I immediately find the trainer, and then I go celebrate with someone else. (laughs) (laughs) So what what were the next few days like for you guys? I mean, I'm assuming that you had to find a way to get, like, some kind of brace or some kind of cast. You had to figure out how to get a scooter. Like, how are you? And RJ, this is a safe space. You can be honest here. Was he driving you guys crazy, like, limping around, scooting around on that scooter? (laughs) I love my father. But my dad on no scooter is, is a handful. So just imagine <laughs> him just yelling at her. <laughs> I remember practice. Um, good. I remember practice one time. We, we thought we were just the greatest. Like we had just won or something. 
and something happened and he was on the scooter and he went from one baseline to the other on the scooter just one leg kicking it like a skateboard and we were all trying not to laugh but it like that's just that's just kind of you know what you're dealing with like he's gonna bring the energy and no matter what's going on with his body or his health like he's bringing that vibe so we knew what was going on we all braced ourselves we're like yo we're gonna have to help this man all week you know he's gonna be on edge just running around just talking shit on one leg so yeah it was, well, it was exciting funny about that rj remember we call we actually we actually remember this we took a bus after the game from new orleans back to atlanta instead of flying because i yeah. my, my leg was it was a mess and we couldn't you know i had to get to the doctor and so maybe we took the bus back to atlanta and that bus ride was absolutely crazy uh, right to no the right to the selection show too yeah we watched i mean it watched it, it was unbelievable that we uh but i was in so much pain so they're giving me pain stuff and about five hours into it, when everything started to calm down and I realized we were playing Baylor and, you know, my sisters are you know trying to get all this work done. My first thought was, I'm not going to be able to coach in this game. That was the first thought. I, I, Cause that's, there's no way I can go with this much pain. And uh, of course, when I got home and we were able to kind of, they wanted to do surgery. I said, absolutely not. No surgery. And uh, uh, it's just crazy. Cause that's the part that, you know, we kind of live how I have, how I ended up getting home that, that seven-hour bus ride may have been the funnest or the longest bus ride I've ever had in my life. Before we continue that interview, I just have to let you guys know that it is that time of year again. We have waited two years for this moment, and it is finally here. March's biggest tournament is back. Gonzaga's getting ready to run the table. Slippers are being fit as we speak. And our partners over at DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, are putting our listeners at the center of the action. How? If you bet $4 on an underdog in a select game this week and that underdog wins, you win $256. That's right, $256. Here's how it works. You download the app now. You use the promo code FIELD68 when you sign up. Scroll through the list of select underdogs, bet $4 on one of them to win, and cash $256 when they do. There is no better way for you to put your college hoops knowledge to the test and then to put your money where your mouth is with DraftKings Sportsbook. It's safe. It's secure. It's reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. I know this because I use them. So remember, the code is FIELD68. That's FIELD68 to turn $4 into $256. For a limited time only, must be 21 years or older. Restrictions apply. Go to DraftKings.com for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, so let's talk about the, the Baylor game itself. You guys end up uh, getting down by 10 points with, I think it was a minute 30 left. RJ, you hit a three, then you got that little uh, the little runner off the inbounds, and you steal uh, steal an inbounds pass, and you get a layup. Like, take me through what you guys remember from that comeback. Um, and was there ever a point when you were like, "Oh man, we blew this, all this work, and, and we're going to end up losing like this"? That's that's funny you said that because I literally said that in my head, and I'm looking up like we did all this, and and I'm 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 playing terrible. We're not really playing well, so I'm kind of just looking up, and I'm like, we did all this to do what to come here and not play well and I'm hard on myself I'm a perfectionist so I literally say in my head I'm like it's over like I probably got to come back next year like I'm just thinking about so many things and as soon as I said that it's over the whole game switched I think I think I got a three uh we call timeout we get a steal on the inbounds we get a layup we get another steal get a rebound and now it's like a three-point game 
So now I'm like, okay, this is a completely different setup. And now my cares have gone. Like, I don't care anymore. Like I've already said, this is over. Like I don't care anymore. So I'm, I'm literally playing so free in the moment. So um, it, you could kind of just see the look on their faces. Like you could kind of just see, like they had no like life in their eyes anymore. And then North Carolina fans started piling in and Xavier fans started coming in and everyone's cheering for us. And now we just like the whole team just felt the momentum. So um, yeah, and the crazy, the craziest part about the game to me that no one really picks up is I was trying to foul Rico Gathers on the sideline before we fouled the point guard Cherry because Cherry was shooting like 88. He had made like 20-something straight, and Rico was shooting like 40%. And I'm fouling him, and the ref is like, no, 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 no. So Cherry ends up missing the free throw, and my roommate gets the rebound. As soon as my roommate grabs the rebound off the front of the, off the, front of the rim, I'm looking at him like I'm shooting his three. So I think he passed it to Kevin. Kevin gets it. Kevin Weir passes it to me. And the whole time I'm dribbling in the backcourt, I take three dribbles. I'm like, if I get any space across half court, I'm shooting it. So if you watch the tape, I come off and it's, I'm like 48 feet away. I think about shooting it, but I'm like, this is way too far. So I look up and I see my roommate. I pass it back to him again. And we've always had this thing like this pitch and catch, catch and shoot type thing. So I pitch it to him. He pitches it back and sets this perfect little subtle screen, and I get behind and get the cleanest look I've had all game. I didn't make a shot all game, and this is the cleanest look I had. So there are so many factors, the fans, the steals. There's so many, so many things going on. Uh, so, Ron, what do you what do you think when all this is going down? Are you Do you want him to run something else? Do you just trust implicitly that he's going to find a way to get a good shot off? Like, what's going through your head? Well, hey, like I said before, I really was trying to call a timeout, uh, you know, trying to set something up. You know, good thing he didn't listen to me. But uh, the other part of it, too, is that uh, I remember the first media timeout in the second half. Uh, I felt really bad because I felt like, I, you know, if you see me coach, I'm up and down the sideline. And I felt like being on the scooter changed how I coached. And so I felt bad for the kids because we had this big moment and I wasn't coaching in the same way because, again, whether it was a pain or, you know, you got to remember that, that that was an older group. And so they were used to me coaching a certain way and I couldn't coach that way. I, my, my, there was no energy. I couldn't get up and down the floor. And that's why I had scooter because I rarely, it's the only time I've ever coached as a head coach that I've sat down. Right. I always stand up and I'm, I'm usually at the baseline, you know, yelling instructions and in our matchup, whatever. And I couldn't do that. And I thought that that was part of the problem of why we weren't playing well uh, was part of my injury. So I felt bad for the kids that way. Uh, and then, like RJ said, I'll be honest with you, the last two and a half minutes was such a it was such a blur and how quickly, you know, now the, the interesting part about it is that uh, it also reminded me a little bit. I coached against Scott and his dad and I beat his dad almost the same way when I was at IEPY and he was at Valparaiso to send us to the NCAA tournament. So I'm down there either show how old I am. I remember doing the same thing to his dad and now with Scott. And so for me, it was just like, what do I have against the Drew family? And I love that family to death being from Indiana, but it was just so surreal that, you know, that this is happening again to the Drew family. So RJ, when, when did you realize that he fell out of the scooter after you hit the shot? Did you, did you see him go down? Did you look over at the sideline? Like, why is he lying on the ground? What do you, what do you remember <laughs> about that moment? No, they picked him up so quick. Was, they picked him up quick. It was like cleanup crew, but. Um, I don't think I even knew honestly until we got back to the hotel, not even in the locker room, because we don't have media at Georgia State. You got to think like we're not media trained. We have two guys that cover us the whole year and they're our friends. So it's like we're in there. There's cameras everywhere. We're all like joking. This is all like the moment of our lives. So we don't really get time to process what happened. So I get back to the room. 
we're on Sports Center. I'm catching that, and I'm watching Sports Center, and they zoom. <laughs> you know how Sports Center zooms in on the action, what's happening. So it yeah. goes from the shot and it pans in. My dad's on the ground, just both feet in the air, <laughs> and I'm like, "What happened?" So then I called him. Like, how my dad felt? It was like, "Yo, they thought he was on his feet. He fell." So I was like, "Oh, so this is really crazy." I I literally called my friend after he fell. I'm like, "Oh, so this is kind of bigger than what it seems." He's like, "No, this was insane." So I think at that moment I knew like this could be kind of crazy. Yeah, it, I mean, it was it was unbelievable. We we picked up on it immediately watching it on on TV. Like it's one of the first things that uh, the announcer said. He's like, "RJ hits the <laughs> shot," and Ron Hunter's on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> and you know this, I, you you know when I fell, I tore my cast. So they had to recast me the next day. <laughs> so so even on that fall, I I break the cast on the fall. Get back to the one of the reasons we had to get back to the room is that I had to go see my doctor so they could recast me right away. So I, honestly, I think that you're you're probably the perfect person to have this happen to because you can laugh at yourself, you can have fun with it. Um, you're you're not taking things too seriously. Like it just, uh, am I wrong there? It feels like you're the like for for something like this to happen in a moment like that. Like you're the you're the perfect person. I don't think it's better for anyone else. Well, you know, I appreciate that. I think kind of what gets lost in it a little bit is that. You know, when we were struggling, we had a walk-on kid, Ryan Ryan Green, that really kind of led us. I mean, he's a walk-on, and because we didn't have Ryan Harrell at that particular time, and uh, you know that group of kids that, that that was really a good team. You know, I think people forget. You know, we, we you know we, you know we had gone to the tournament three out of four years, and that that was a really really good, had a really good team. And so, uh, you know, I, the only thing I get upset, not upset with, I'm embarrassed a little about it because it, it became so much about the shot and the father-son deal that it kind of took away from Kevin Ware and all those guys that we had that was a good team. But uh, that's part of it. I mean, you know, Homer did the same thing with this when they went to the Sweet 16 and his son made the shot. Uh, uh, but the best part about it is that, like I said, it was that, that we, it was us together. Uh, the sad part about it is that I knew after that game and after all that media attention that I would never coach my son again. You know, right. we never had a discussion about coming out or those type of things. And I knew then that that was probably – you know, if it was going to be a way to walk off the stage, that was a great way to walk off the stage for, for uh, you know, our father-son kind of deal. Did you know that too, RJ? Did that even cross your mind in that moment? Um, when I hit the shot, I knew it was leaving. But I'm telling you, when I looked up at the clock, when we were down 12, I said, I have to come back now. I'm like, I, I can't end like this. So right. I, I, it, it's insane. Just there's so many just things. I look like the things. The things I was saying in my head is just crazy. I'm like, I'm like, I have to come back this next year. It's like people, people are gonna think we can't compete on the big stage. And this is a really good Baylor team, mind you. We got Royce O'Neal, we got Torian Prince, Rico Gathers, who could play in three professional leagues right now. They have just really good just pieces and roles, and that was a really hard game for us. So uh, yeah, it's, kind of, it's still crazy to me. Tuesday. All right, so I'll end it with this with you guys. Um, I'm always curious about this. So you have this unbelievable moment, this this memorable moment where you knock off a number three seed. It's something that people are going to talk about for March Madness forever. And then you go out on the next game and, and, and you lose, right? Like, so it's as a competitor, like your goal is to, to go and make a run in this thing, right? So how do you balance that in your head where it's like we did this incredible thing, but it didn't end up in a championship? Like our season still ended in a loss. Like how did it take you a while to be able to process that. Like I've always been curious how, um, how that kind of works for people. RJ, why don't you start? Um, yeah, to be honest with you, I wasn't even happy after the Baylor game, if we're being completely honest, just because I didn't like how I played and uh, I'm very hard on myself and it was just a huge stage. And this is what I've been waiting for my whole life. So 
that's where being ultra competitive is kind of a gift and a curse because it took me two or three years to actually appreciate the moment. And as time goes on, I can soak it in even more. But uh, one thing I kind of regret about the whole situation is I didn't enjoy it while it happened. Uh, I remember my sister, because I was just so focused on the next game and focused on how I just played. My sister was like, why aren't you happy right now? Like, do you understand what just happened? And I was like, there's so much more to do. Like, there, we have a game in two days. Like, I, I can't go into the game with, like, this happy eyes. Like, I'm satisfied. So I think you said it, like, um, there's bittersweet to it. But when something good happens in your life, like, I, I don't want to step in the way and overthink it. Like, this was an amazing moment with my family. I remember seeing my mom crying in the crowd in a press conference. Like, these are things I take forever. Winning, beating Xavier, like, maybe 10 years, I, I remember it, but. After that, it really doesn't mean anything to me. So, like, the thing that happened in life that means a lot that shaped who I am today and, and, and shaped our family's lives is kind of the most important thing to me. You agree, Ron? Yeah, you know, I, I, I would just add that there was so much pressure on – it's very – the hardest thing I've ever done in my life is coach my kid in college, especially when he's the best player and he's a first-round draft pick. Uh, you don't prepare for that. You don't know anything about that. Uh, literally the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. And so uh, all of that accumulation of that shot and what happened is that that was, that was like I always say, a great way for us to end that period of our life or our family relationship in regards to me coaching. Because it's not only hard for the two of us, my daughter and, and our wife, it was really hard for the family. Uh, even when people ask me today, I get a lot of father-son questions. You wouldn't believe the emails and things I get about father-son deals. And you know, again, I, I tell people, you know, you see the end product of that. Uh, but it was really, really tough. So by the time we got to the Xavier game, it became a relief a little bit because we were able to win the game. Uh, but the problem is, is that the preparation for the game, because of what happened and all the media access that we had granted, and if I could go back, I'd probably only do half of what I did. It was really hard to kind of how do you beat that moment? You know, and so I think that for us and we actually played well in that game. You know, mm -hmm. Xavier was really good that year. We played really well in that game. And and I think they jumped on us about 12. We cut it to four. Um, but again, I think that 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 for the our dynamic of father son part of it, you know, that was the, we I knew that was the end uh, going into the Xavier game. It was a, there was a bittersweet happiness and a sadness knowing this probably if we lose, this is it. That for the last time I coached my son. So there was so much emotion going into it that uh, uh, really kind of made it a strange game. Well, I will say this, guys, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. Um, there are a lot of teams that make runs to the Elite Eight or to the Final Four, and people forget about them in a year or two and don't remember. I don't think anybody is ever going to forget this moment, how, how funny it was, how great it was, your reaction to it. So I, I appreciate you guys coming on and talking about it. And, uh, and yeah, that was, <laughs> thanks for giving us something to all smile about, man. All right. Thanks, Rob. We appreciate it, buddy. Good uh, to see you again, son. You, man. My man, hit me.